The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And so glad you could be with us this week on Winning Ponies. Hope to have another very enjoyable and informative show for you. Hopefully we'll bring you home with a slew of winners. I want to thank Rich Ng for being on with us last week, who brought us to the winner's circle on more than one, one occasion. Uh, with us this evening, our first guest, a gentleman by the name of Dr. John Piewitz. Uh, for over 20 years, he's been a equine veterinarian. He graduated from Ohio State, very well respected at his craft. He's cared for several Horse of the Year winners over the course of his career, and currently he uh, cares for trainer Mike Maker's string of runners in northern Kentucky. And as you know from listening to this show, uh, Mike Maker set records uh, both at Churchill and Keeneland in the spring, so obviously Dr. Piewitz is uh, giving his horses the best of care. Uh, Dr. Piewitz uh, also is uh, on the board of the uh, Ohio Horsemen's Benevolent Protection Association. So he's he's got a good view of the sport from a lot of different angles. I think you're going to like listening to Dr. John. And I know you're going to like listening to our handicapper. He's one of the most respected handicappers in the country in one Marty McGee. Marty has been over in West Virginia this week getting ready for the slew of stakes races that they're going to have at Mountaineer Park. Uh, with with uh, Marty, we're going to break down the 200,000 West Virginia governors and the $750,000 grade two West Virginia Derby. Uh, Marty will also take us coast to coast by uh, looking at the, the Whitney Stakes at Saratoga. That looks to be a fantastic race. And also out at Del Mar, it's a win in your end, the Clement L. Hirsch. i got a feeling I know who Marty's going to have in there because his brother-in-law, Ron Ellis, <laughs> has included me out who won the Clement Hirsch last year. Well, uh, you know, this is the uh, entertainment portion of Winning Ponies. When it's time to get down to business, you need to go on the Winning Ponies website and uh, pull down the easy win form. It's easy to use. And I'll tell you what, recently at these big meets where horses run so consistently at uh, Saratoga and Del Mar, where the, where the class is, uh, the uh, Winning Ponies has been giving out some, some huge winners. Uh, Let's see. I know that my my friend uh, my uh, friend James uh, had a pick five and a pick four on Wednesday and Thursday. One of them for over one thousand one hundred fifteen dollars, and the other one for six hundred and sixty eight. And then off a fifty four dollar ticket, the 
pick five on Saturday came home for $7,124. You can go back and look it up, folks. I'm not making it up. So uh, don't forget to uh, go to Winning Ponies for their picks on these uh, these big cards that we're having. The easy win form is easy to download and easy to use. All right, speaking of big meets, how about Saratoga? Johnny V finally did it. He uh, surpassed Hall of Famer Jerry Bailey as the winningest rider in the history of Saratoga when he won Saturday's fourth race for his 694th winner at Saratoga. Of course, Bailey broke the record that was held by Johnny V's agent, none other than one of my childhood heroes, Angel Cadero Jr. Velasquez says, I'm kind of glad it's behind me. It's all over. I just wanted to move on something on. I kind of felt like it was sitting heavy on my shoulders. Well, speaking of uh, heavy, a heavy hitter that in breeding for oh so many years, Unbridled Song, he passed away this week at the age of 20. Uh, he had just completed his 17th season at Taylor Made Stallions in Nicholasville, Kentucky, where he was standing for $60,000 at the time. Of course, uh, he, he made a lot of headlines himself, and of course, uh, so so many of his uh, sons and daughters did. Uh, he had a large mass that began to grow in his sinus cavities, and uh, for the, the sake of the horse not going through pain, uh, he was put down. You might remember he, he burst onto the scene in 95, right from the sales ring, when he sold for $1.4 million. Uh, for that time, it was a world record price for a horse at a two-year-old in training sale. Uh, but then the buyer, believe it or not, backed out. Well, Ernie Paragallo picked up the horse and, and did okay. Uh, he got to, he got the race in, in the uh, the Kentucky Derby and on the track. Uh, uh, unbridled song did finish fifth in the Derby, but uh, he ended up winning over 1.3 million dollars. Uh, the sire of champions midshipman Embar Song and unrivaled bell so we will be missing him well uh looks like we're going to be missing a couple horses uh and sad to say it appears that the triple crown face-off we were hoping to have in the traverse stakes uh may not surface uh it looks like uh, oxbow Good chance that he is going to be coming out of the race. We'll be talking about the, the million-dollar Haskell. Uh, Oxbow is running very, very strong in that race. He ended up finishing fourth at Verrazano. I'm sure if you're listening to this show, uh, you probably had a chance to watch the race. And uh, you know, according to uh, D. Wayne Lucas, we're going to go day by day, uh, give him some time to get over that ship. Uh, it looks like in human terms he probably wrenched his ankle. But uh, I'm sure that they're not going to push him to try to get him in the August 24th uh, Traverse Stakes unless for some reason he is absolutely a 100%. He is back at Saratoga, and he is with Lucas. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Gary Stevens was riding the horse, and he said he looked over at Johnny at the half-mile pole and said, I'm in trouble. I wasn't going very well. So, again, we, we wish a, a, a speedy recovery uh, to Oxbow, and it's too bad we're not going to see that uh, matchup. Another horse that's uh, going uh, to the sidelines uh, after the Monmouth Cup last week is going to be a grade one winner, Take Charge Indy. Uh, looks like he had uh, trouble in his left foreleg uh, in an injury that he sustained in that race. He is a son of AP Indy that just has an amazing uh, a bottom side. Again, this horse was ridden by Gary Stevens. He thought he was going to win the race easily. Um, 
he was uh, uh, shipped to the uh, Dr. Patty Hogan at the Hogan Equine Center, and they say that he's, he's a good patient. He's coming back. Uh, you know, he was a graded stakes winner at two, three, and four. So uh, I think he's going to be one heck of a horse. Um, Elliot Walden saying we purchased eight shards Indy because of his gene pool, considering he might be the last great son of AP Indy. And, of course, uh, his mother won three grade ones. Uh, take charge, lady. Uh, another horse that's... Uh, Won a Breeders' Cup race that's uh, going through some trouble. We'll be talking to Dr. John about this. Is uh, St. Nicholas Abbey? They say he's in good form now. We reported this first last week uh, on winning ponies. Um, although it was a leg injury, he uh, developed colic and he's had colic surgery, uh, which is uh, an extremely uh, painful condition. Uh, he can't have food for a prolonged period, which is going to be tough, they say, because he was a good doer. But all the surgeons are, are pleased with the progress he's making with his pastor and reconstruction, and he is taking weight on the leg. Well, um, gentleman that's been taking a lot of heat on himself is going to try to return to racing. We've been reporting on this now for the last two weeks. Uh, Garrett Gomez is going to meet with the track stewards again. Uh, he does uh, admit that uh, he's an alcoholic. He was having some problems, and uh, he went to an old habit and, I believe, hit the bottle just shortly and then immediately uh, turned himself in for treatment. He's supposed to meet with the stewards tomorrow, and, and hopefully uh, Garrett will be allowed to return to ride. I'm sure that he's, he's more than willing to uh, uh, undergo any kind of testing or scrutiny uh, that the stewards want to give him. Uh, uh, he said he immediately addressed the situation. I, I just finished reading his book last week, and this guy's been through a lot. But uh, obviously he, he learned how to beat the devils last time, and hopefully he will again this time. Just a class act. I believe he's ridden more uh, Breeders' Cup winners than, than anybody else. Uh, and uh, I, we all wish the best uh, for uh, Garrett Gomez. Uh, let's take a look at uh, some of the races from last week because we had just some fantastic ones. I, I hope you were tuned in. And, again, want to thank uh, Rich Ng from the Las Vegas Review for being with us. Well, hopefully you got to watch the, uh, the Haskell Invitational. Ladies and gentlemen, Verrazano is back. Here's a horse who only lost one race, but he decided to do it on the first Saturday in May, dropping the Kentucky Derby. Uh, came back in a prep for this race in the Pegasus at Monmouth, so he had a trip over the strip. He was just unbelievable. He looked great. He ran just off a speedy oxbow. Uh, they took the lead in 112 and 2 and in the turn, and uh, Johnny V gave him one tap, and he just took off. And I believe won the Haskell in the largest margin of that, that ever has been won. So uh, Verrazano, he looked unbelievable on the track, and he is back, ladies and gentlemen. And the second spot was a Baffert trainee uh, ridden by Rosie Napravnik. It was just kind of awkward early, uh, wide on the turn, settled down, and then, uh, but it was just no match for Verrazano, and that was a power broker. Uh, up for the third spot was Micromanage, another talented horse from Todd Pletcher's barn. Uh, so we'll go back and hopefully uh, look at a couple other races that Mammoth, if time allows. Um, the Jim uh, Dandy was a Jim Dandy, especially if you were a friend of Palace Malice. Sent away surprisingly to me at 6-5. to five. I thought this horse would go off at even money or less. Palace Malice, obviously, like Saratoga, is 2-for-2. Two two. I got a feeling this could 
stamp him as uh, the co-favorite with Verrazano and the Travers. What a matchup that's going to be. I mean, how would you like to be in, in the situation uh, that uh, Todd Pletcher finds himself in? So uh, either way, he's going to make some owner unhappy in the Travers. But uh, Palace Malice was uh, absolutely impressive. Uh, he uh, challenged the pace. They got two taps of the whip from Mike Smith and Palace Malice took off. In in the second place was Will Take Charge. It looks like taking the blinkers off was a good idea by D. Wayne Lucas. A lot of people uh, people uh, questioned that, uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, he, he ran, he ran a, a pretty solid race. Uh, so that sets up for Palace Malice and Verrazano. Okay, uh, then we looked at uh, the Diana, and the winner was number four, Laughing. Had plenty of speed, fought off center court, the six to five favorite, and, and held off the, a late charging Dream Piece and Stephanie's Kitten, who was my pick to win the race. I have to be honest with you, Johnny V up. Really like that horse, but Laughing, the Irish bred, got it done for trainer Alan Goldberg. Uh, then in the, the Prioress, a grade one at Saratoga. Upset time there. Uh, the winner at 21 to 1 was Lighthouse Bay. Slipped through with Joe Rocco Jr. in the saddle and got the job done. First grade one win for trainer George Weaver. Congratulations to him. Then we went out to Del Mar, uh, the San Diego Handicap. It wasn't a big field, but it had some interesting horses. Uh, mainly, people were looking at the, the comeback of Painter, who was sent off at three to five. He should look like he was ready after the life-threatening illnesses that he had last year. The Bob Baffert trainee, Painter, looked to be the winner at the top of the stretch, but a nice backup bet by Rich Ng. Kettlecorn uh, stayed on the rail until the stretch, moved out and under strong urging, got the job done. It was Kettlecorn, Painter, and Batty Man. Then out at Del Mar, the Bing Crosby, the return of Golden Sense. It was an impressive return, but not impressive enough to get past points off the bench, giving the first grade one win to trainer Tim Yankton. Mike Smith, what a weekend. Grade one wins on coast to coast. I will say Golden Sense and Kevin Krieger were closing very solid through the lane but just could not uh, get up. But Golden Sense did look very healthy in its return. And the other race, of course, uh, uh, that we were uh, looking at last week, uh, we uh, looked at the uh, Ohio Derby, and the winner in there was Rich Eng's top pick, title contender, trained by Wayne Catalano. So congratulations to Richie on that pick. Uh, Leading rider Hector Rosario Jr., local rider, Got the win, the biggest win of his career. Title contender got the job done. Over number three, Brave Man, the horse trained by Tim Ham that was just sold for $180,000 at Phasic Tipton only about a week ago. So a very interesting group. Well, speaking of interesting, my friend Dr. John Piewitz is one interesting individual. We're going to talk to him uh, about his career in the game, and some of the things that are happening in racing today. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. 
America's sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Dr. John Piewitz. He's an Ohio State University graduate of the School of Veterinary Medicine. He's been working on horses for only over 20 years. As I stated at the top of the show, he's cared for several Horse of the Year winners over the course of his career. Uh, he also handles uh, Mike Maker's horses over in uh, northern Kentucky. He's on the board of directors of the Ohio Horsemen's Benevolent Protective Association and a member of the American Veteran Veterinary Medical Association. So uh, uh, with uh, no further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. John Piewitz. Doctor, how you doing? I'm doing fine, John. Thanks for having me on the show this evening. I've been trying to get you on for, for, for quite a while. I find you to, to, to be a, a very uh, intelligent person. What I've always liked about, uh, about you is that when I've talked to you about specific things that could be technical in nature, you're always able to break them down to uh, comparing it perhaps to an injury that a basketball or football player would make, and that just makes it so much more easier in my mind's eye. Well, good. I always try to do the best I can with getting that down to uh, the human level anyways. Well, you know, uh, you, you could have picked an easier career. Uh, I know guys that have bailed on, on, on the horses uh, to go into the small animal where you sit there and people bring uh, foo-foo in and you get <laughs> taken care of. Um, if, you, if you can, in just a minute or two, is to describe a day in the life of a, a veterinarian who works with horses. Well, one of the beautiful parts about my job, John, is you never know what you're gonna what to expect when you set foot on the racetrack in the morning. So uh, usually I get there about 6 a.m. when the track opens. Uh, again, you never know what to expect, what kind of little disasters happen the evening before, who's popping a fever, who got a leg up over a webbing and needs uh, some attention there, or who uh, hooked an eye on a screw eye and needs some sutures. But uh, the long and short of it is we kind of do our rounds in the morning. We look at the horses that have been... Uh, 
racing or getting ready to race, make sure that they're okay to uh, go back into battle, so to speak, and uh, handle matters as they arrive, you know, whether it's a lung infection or um, I think you mentioned Oxbow's ankle, uh, a wrenched ankle or a problem there. Um, We just kind of address it as it shows up. Um, You know, you've been doing this for at least over 20 years, to the best of my recollection. Mm-hmm. recollection. I'm not trying to date you now, John. But uh, the, the thing is, what, uh, what kind of changes have you seen, number one, in veterinary medicine over that period? Well, there's been, there's been a lot of changes in the last uh, 20 years, so to speak. Um, boy, without getting into the political realm, which is hard for me to do, uh, <laughs> it used to be you were able to practice medicine and treat the animal, uh, and treat it whatever injury they may have or whatever um, circumstance they may be under. Um, unfortunately, lately with a lot of the medication changes, we've been limited as to what medications we can use. It's been controlled more by regulators and veterinarians. And I'm not talking about anything performance-enhancing. I'm just talking about things that are performance-enabling or things that are better for the horse uh, situation like allergic inflammatory airway disease, what we would call allergies in people. Uh, we no longer can treat going into a race or anything that way. So we've seen a lot of changes in the industry. Some are good, some are bad. Um, it's just like anything, progress uh, just kind of rolls on. Um, you know, I'm reading right now uh, Jack Van Berg's biography, From Grit to Greatness. Mm-hmm. And he was a horseman's horseman. I mean, when you read this, uh, he had just an amazing eye for watching a horse train. He could perhaps see a horse that was in pain, but he notices it was because maybe he was shod wrong or something like that. Uh, obviously, the people that came up under him, uh, Wayne Catalano, uh, Frankie Brothers, uh, Bill Mott, all excellent horsemen in their own right. Are, are you seeing a slippage in horsemanship and perhaps too much of reliance on the veterinarians? Or, or are, are there still good horsemen out there? I think an example would be a gentleman you work for, Mike Maker, who came up under one of the top guys, D. Wayne Lucas. But well, what's your read on horsemanship in this era? What my read on horsemanship is, that's, that's the great fallacy of this, is everybody thinks that there are uh, trainers who rely solely on the veterinarian for things. I wouldn't say that. I'd, I'd say they rely. Um, there are still very good horsemen. Mike's a very good horseman maker. There's some other good horsemen out there, Tommy Drury, Timmy Gleishaw, Bernie Flint, Jeff Greenhill. Um, you know, a lot of good horsemen are out there, some older, some younger. Uh, but what they do is they take advantage of modern technology when it comes to medication. Instead of relying on the old thing of somebody sitting under a horse for an hour rubbing on the horse, they rely on medication, which just like you and me, where it used to be uh, if you had a heart disease, they'd stick you in the iron lung, or if you had a breathing problem, they'd stick you in the iron lung. Um, now they rely on medication to help you with that. Well, and again, I guess uh, certainly many years back there weren't things like, uh, what, hyperbolic chambers and some of these other massages they have and uh, the magnetic blankets. Uh, these, these are all come into racing within the last 20 years, haven't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And we've taken, you know, the veterinary medical field actually lags a little bit behind the human field in the fact that we are a small market, maybe a million horses, maybe a million five in America. Very few drug companies do anything to try to get a product to market for horses only. Um, So we have to rely on basically what we see in the human field 
and what we can what data we can extrapolate over into the equine field. Um, so there are a lot of things that we have noticed lately that you know something simply like um, surpass ointment, which is diclofenac, and people it's called Voltaren gel. Uh, you get an elbow from throwing a curveball too many times. They give you uh, Voltaren gel to put on your elbow and decrease the inflammation. Um, we do the same thing with horses. They get a little sprained ankle like oxbow or they have a situation where a little inflammation there, a little pain, a little heat, we can use that in this day and age. Obviously, there are withdrawal limitations, four or five days, depending on which jurisdiction you're in, so it doesn't affect performance or doesn't block any pain for the race. Um, I think a majority of us are very cognizant of that, so we don't get anybody a bad test. Um now, in the case of let's uh, go 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 to Oxbow, who okay. looked like he was running strong in the race, and then Gary Stevens just said, "Whoa, I just right. felt the bottom drop out. Something happened." Um, they they called it, I believe, initially a, a soft tissue injury, and the horse is actually back with D. Wayne Lucas right. uh, in in the stall. I mean, is this just a matter of uh, uh, counting on Mother Nature and Father Time? It really is. Um, it's a matter of, like you either out playing basketball or running across the field doing whatever. Um, you sprain an ankle, you hit an uneven spot on the track or uneven spot in your yard for you, um, and you stretch a few things in the ankle, and uh, it's just soft tissue. You know, it's nothing permanent. just takes a little rest and a little ice and a little elevate. Well, in people elevation, horses, they won't elevate it for us no matter how hard we ask them. Um, and it's it just, uh, you know, just a little time will help heal that. Uh, a story we've been following on a, a, a Breeders' Cup winner, and that's uh, St. Nicholas Abbey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been putting out uh, daily re- releases on him. Uh, at first he had an extensive pastern surgery, mm-hmm. and, and now um, he's had to have a second surgery for uh, colic, which they say was caused by a Caesal shutdown. I'm probably saying that wrong. I guess that's kind of like the appendix shuts down. Uh, they say it's extremely painful and that you can't eat for a prolonged period of time. Could you shed some light on that? Well, basically, I mean, from what I understand, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not privy to all the details of the case. He had a um, a, a long pastern bone fracture, which would be if you take a look at your hand and where your knuckle is located, um, your main knuckles on your fist uh, would be the long bone between that and your first knuckle. Um, but as with any surgery with any human or any other animal, uh, the, the, the digestive system will shut down. And so with a lack of flowing through the digestive system, you get blockage. And so with the sequel um, impaction or sequel shutdown, it's just one of those things that's going to take a while to ramp up the digestive system and allow him to uh, start taking food. Uh, they'll probably start him in a very small, uh, small amounts to begin with very frequently, to try to get things rolling on through there. Um, here's a term that I'd like to uh, familiarize some of our listeners with. It's something you hear over the years, but I'm trying to visualize it. And, you know, a guy will be getting a two-year-old ready for the races, and they say, ah, darn it, he bucked his shins. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about when you buck your shin? What we're talking about is the, the cannon bone or the long bone between the knee and the ankle. And essentially it's like shin splints in people. What happens is the bone remodels to the to the stresses we place upon it. So as you start out with a young horse, their bone in their marrow cavity is a perfect circle, um, the marrow cavity inside, obviously. As they lay down bone in the front of it, they resorb bone in the back of it, 
And what happens is the periosteum, which is a sock-like covering of the bone, um, which has the nerve endings in it, stretches. And then you get a little bit of hemorrhage underneath that, and that's very painful for the individual. And people, they call them shin splints for young runners. Um, it's been rumored that uh, Jesse Owens actually had his shins fired, pin-fired, like we would do in horses. Jesse uh, Owens? Jesse Owens. <laughs> the Olympian? He had that happen about a year before the Munich Olympics. Unbelievable. I know that that was news to me. I, I will tell you this. It's an old adage from a, a friend. You just reminded me of this. Uh, that uh, and, and then you know this gentleman. It was uh, Jim Morgan. Mm-hmm. And I was asked him one time. I said, hey, you know, that horse over there is a, a, a full brother to Bill Monroe. And he goes, John, if you're on top of a burning building and you look down and you see Jesse Owens and his full brother, which one are you going to ask to run for the fire department? <laughs> That's right. There's an old saying, Mrs. Dempsey had five sons. Only one of them was Jack. <laughs> Good point. Good point. And with that, we're going to close out uh, this segment trying to bring uh, the listeners of Winning Ponies uh, more information about the, the, the horses that, that they love to wager on so much and some of the different things that they read about in, in the racing form about their condition and helping to clarify that a uh, very intelligent and genuine individual, uh, Dr. John Piowitz. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, John. All right, take care. I hope it's not the last time. Well, I know this won't be the uh, first or last time we have our next guest on. It's Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite people in the sport of racing and one of the finest writers on staff with the Daily Racing Foreman and an outstanding handicapper in his own right, the one, the only, Marty McGee. Marty, how you doing? Hey, John. Thanks for the compliment, and, uh, yeah, it's always good to be with you. Well, everything comes from the heart. You, you've, you've, you know, I, I know whenever I see you, after Churchill or, or Keeneland, you're almost always coming off a story that other people are talking about, uh, like uh, that that article you wrote on uh, the Disormo a couple months ago and things. So you you, were, you really are quite the wordsmith, but you've had a lot of practice. They keep you busy there at the forum, don't they? Yeah, I appreciate that, John. I, I, that was probably I've done this 28 years now. And that was uh, I can't think of a story I got a bigger reaction to than, than the one about Kent Disormo. You know, he and I go back to. He was 16 years old when he came to Maryland, and I was writing for the Baltimore Sun then. And so, um, you know, as, as documented in the, in the story I wrote, uh, he's kind of been having some struggles, and so uh, he trusted me to relate all of the information uh, the way I did. And, uh, you know, now he's in Chicago, and he's doing some good. So, uh, you know, hopefully he'll keep it going. Yeah, uh, but uh, I will tell you, I... You, the press box was all abuzz with people going, did you read Marty's story? <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're well-respected uh, by your peers, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, your, your job is to keep an eye on um, horses that race uh, across the country, and two horses that I know that you've seen race live had unbelievable races last uh, week, and I don't know who had the, the better or more impressive race, uh, and that was uh, Verrazano uh, in the Haskell Invitational and uh, Palace Malice in the Jim Dandy. Uh, what was your read on those races and those horses? Well, that's funny because I, I... – Talked to Todd Fletcher early this morning because he has I'm I'm in Mountaineer and uh, he has the favorite the, at least the morning line favorite and overanalyzed for the West Virginia Derby here on Saturday and of course Todd is the trainer of both those horses you mentioned I I think uh, the bottom line is going to be who who's going to be the favorite in the Travers on August 24th and I think it's going to be real close John I. I'm thinking that the flashy way and the big buyer speed figure that Verrazano got will make him slightly favored over Palace Malice, but I'm really a Palace Malice fan. I, ever since he ran so big in the Louisiana Derby um, and then ran big in the Bluegrass and, you know, of course, won the Belmont and the, and, uh, and then the Jim Dandy. But I, I think Verrazano has just a little more panache to him, and so he'll probably be – slightly favored over Palace Malice with, with Orb, the third choice. And, um, you know, Verrazano, I was a, one of the many, you know, Battaglia was talking about making him the favorite for the Kentucky Derby, and then we all, not we, but like everybody, said, no, Mike, Orb's going to be the favorite. So he went ahead and made Orb the, I think, 4-1 to favorite or whatever. But uh, Verrazano was 8-1 to in the Kentucky Derby, ran terrible. And he's won every other race except for that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he does when he's back in the so-called big leagues because he has not 
faced, except for in the Derby, the caliber of horse that, say, Palace Malice has when he won the Belmont. And um, it's just really going to be an interesting thing. It, you know, it'd be great if Oxbow had not gotten hurt as he apparently did in the Haskell, and he was part of it too. But uh, nonetheless, uh, both of those Fletcher horses really uh, will be coming off terrific races, and it's going to make for a great Travers. It's going to be great. The, the Midsummer Derby. I was there in 82 when the three Triple Crown winners uh, matched up together, and then uh, wow. they didn't end up winning. Runaway Groom. I was at a wedding reception, and I remember right where I was watching it in, with my mouth. I, I watched, I uh, I read a story, recollect, maybe Chris did it. I think Steve Chris wrote that story. Did you read it recently where he recollected the whole scenario of that? Of that um, no, I did read one by Richie Yang out in Vegas. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it, obviously he wrote it because there was a possibility he would have had the Derby Preakness Belmont winners all coming together. But um, Steve wrote a really fascinating article. And I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I, I want you to go in and uh, and – because I, I do remember that race real vividly. I want I want to hear your recollection. No, your memories of it. Well, I, you know, it, it, there was so much excitement, and I just remember I got there early. Uh, you know, I'm a fledgling photographer at the time back in '82, and I got set. I'm right there on the quarter pole, and I'm waiting. I've got pictures of them warming up and everything. And you know, when the gray horse flashed by, you know, my face is in a camera. I'm thinking it's Gato del Sol. <laughs> and then I'm listening down the track, and I'm like, huh? That's not Gato del Sol. So, you know, my memory was I was hoping for a three-horse matchup coming around the turn, and that, that's not what happened. It was a runaway groom. I believe Jeff Fell was aboard uh, coming uh-huh. down from Canada. Right. Yeah, uh, Conquistador Sierra was some huge favorite in the race, too, because by by the time the uh, he had – of course, won the Met Mile and the Belmont, but he also won the Jim Dandy, I think, and maybe another race even, because um, that's the way that's the way they did it 30 years ago. You know, they ran him that often, but uh, he was a big favorite, and um, uh, yeah, he, I think he and Olympus Ruler kind of hooked up, and that was the end of both of them. Yeah. Well, um, anyhow, moving on, you, you have been spending time over in, in West Virginia. Um, I haven't been there for a while. It was uh, a, a kind of a funky ride over there. I, I do remember going by a windowless strip bar that said uh, uh, eight chancers and one good-looking one. So if you're looking for a good time tonight, take a right out of the track and go down about a mile and a half. <laughs> well, we drove past. I, I came here with my girlfriend, Amy, my new girlfriend. I'm really excited about that. But um, we came by there, and as we pulled in, I said, I, I can swear there was just one of these places here last year. <laughs> and and uh, you'll be glad to know, John, that there's two of those. So. Oh, there's two good-looking ones or two, two bars <laughs> with the same motto. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, so anyway, yeah, uh, I know there's a, a slew big... of stakes uh, that, that you've got to cover on Saturday. I believe that the card actually for Mountaineer starts early, maybe about 2 o'clock, and that the, um, the West Virginia Derby itself is going to be aired on Fox Sports between 5 and 6. So I had to whittle it down to two races. So I thought uh, we'd, we'd take a look at the, the West Virginia Governors, which is going to be the seventh race, and then we'll go to the West Virginia Derby. Again, for our uh, listeners out there, if you've got the Fox Sports. Uh, this race is going to go off at 5:45 Eastern Time. So um, I've been 
reading some of your stories, kind of interesting uh, what you pointed out. Let's go right to the West Virginia Derby first because I, I, I thought your, your insight into this race with a horse that uh, um, probably won't be favored is uh, between here and cool, and your angle was one I found very interesting, the success that Steve Asmussen has had in this race. Yeah, he's four for eight. He won it last year. He's won four out of the last eight. Um, and this horse is actually listed at five to two as a co-second choice with departing on the morning line, John. I, I don't think there's any way that he'll be co-second choice. I think he has to be third choice that departing might even challenge overanalyzed for favoritism in the race. They've got overanalyzed seven to five. Departing five to two and between here and cool five to two in a field of nine. Everybody else is at least ten to one. So um, Steve has had uh, terrific success. None of his four winners of this race have been even been favored. So that horse will fall in line in that respect. Um, and if he continues to improve, he was really impressive in winning a, a one other than at Churchill at the spring meet, and he followed that up with a, with a really good effort in uh, Iowa. So clearly, um, he's going going the right way. Obviously, the question is whether he's going to match up class-wise with uh, these other two horses, both of whom have uh, a considerable amount of, of stakes experience. And and while you say that, Marty, I must say you got a great quote uh, out of out of Todd Pletcher for your most recent story, and that's when he was uh, looking at the field and looking at over analyze. He says, "Well, I think in this case he might get some class relief. Obviously, this horse has been dancing every dance, and really, when you look at this field, has certainly faced much tougher over his career." Well, yeah, I mean he's a Grade One winner. He's also eligible. For- for a $150,000 bonus for, for Mike Rapoli, and I know he needs the money. So, um, <laughs> he, um, you know, he ran in the Derby. He ran in the Belmont. It looks like he has boxcars on there, but, but Todd uh, kind of detailed both of the trips for the horse and kind of giving, gave him semi-excuses. So um, he's just, you know, again, he's not facing Orb, and he's not facing uh, some of the, the big horses of, Palace Malices of the world. So, um, and with Rosie coming down here, and she, by the way, got the mount because she thought she and her agent, Steve Best, thought they were going to be riding Power Broker, and they went ahead and cleared out the state to come here to ride. And then Baffert, of course, ran Power Broker, who ran second uh, last Sunday in the Haskell. So Rosie was still wide open, and Todd picked up on that and said, "Yeah, come on and, and ride over Analyze." So they're going to make for for a good team. Uh, you know, Rosie's a tremendous jockey. And um, with the outside post, it's not necessarily bad. You, you might lose some ground, but you are what uh, what I call out there where the air is fresh and clear. You know, you don't, don't really have any encumbrances and uh, somebody to your outside, so that's that's all good for him. Well, I've heard I've heard of gas relief. I've never heard of class relief. That was a great <laughs> quote. I gotta say. Well, he he does that quite a bit. I think. Yeah. Yeah, the only interesting thing uh, I shouldn't. There's a lot of interesting things, but uh, horses run, you know, fairly well. Is closing in on a million dollars, and all of a sudden you decide to uh, put blinkers on. I understand that uh, Pletcher was pleased with the way he went uh, with blinkers on in his last work. Yeah, that's what he said, and uh, you know, you would you would think though that uh, he would be a little bit uh, have a little bit of an aversion to that, considering what happened with. Uh, with Palace Malice in the Kentucky Derby, but this is not the Kentucky Derby, it's the, the West Virginia Derby, so um, yeah, I'm sure he's not really 
that uh, scared to experiment uh, with something like that. And he said it did make him focus a little bit more, uh, had more attention uh, going. So, yeah, um, why not? Well, uh, in the race prior to that, uh, it, it was the, uh, the West Virginia governors, and uh, there's kind of a rags-to-riches story in here uh, in what the cat drug in. I saw this horse uh, running for an $8,000 tag over a turfway. Uh, the horse got uh, taken um, by Bill Stinson. Since then, the horse was taken from Stinson for 40000 And, uh, boy, talk about a horse that's always there. 29 starts, 13 wins, 8 seconds, and 2 thirds. Uh, I don't have any uh, any odds on these PPs, but uh, if nothing else, this horse is going to make a great uh, rags-to-riches story for you. Well, he would. I mean, uh, he's trained by a young guy from Lexington, the Lexington area named Tevis McCauley. And... Um, He's, this horse went the cat drug in us at three wins, three seconds from six starts over this particular tack, uh, track. So Tavis really liked sending him over this way. The, the thing about this race, John, is there's just a ton of speed in here, including what the cat drug in. And I, I talked to uh, Tim Gladshaw about it, who trains one of the speed horses, Tap Down, who will be ridden by Calvin Burrell. And uh, he said that he thinks his horse can, can raise from off the pace and Whoever wins is probably going to have to do that because, um, by the way, they're scratching down to just six horses. Percussion, uh, who is listed actually as the five to two morning line favorite, is going to scratch. As a matter of fact, Fletcher told me this morning he already has scratching. So uh, you take him out, you got six of them in there, four of them have just tons of gas. Uh, one of them is eight to fest to catch from, uh, from Maryland for, um, for Timmy Keith. And then um, there's a few other ones in there, including what the what the cat drug in and uh, Tap Town. So clearly, tactics are going to play a big part in this race. Uh, Rosie rides a horse named Morty's Miracle for Pletcher, and I guess people, once they do the math on all the speed in there, they're going to think, hey, it's going to set up for this horse. So uh, I would imagine that Morty's Miracle will be favored for uh, for Pletcher and Zayat Stables, and uh, but I certainly wouldn't rule out. Couple of the others, including the horse you mentioned at the top, that being what the cat drug in uh, and and his record over this racetrack. Yeah, like I said, he, he's he's always there. I'll tell you what, a guy that's really impressed me over the last couple of years, and you've got to see him evolve. Is is Tim Glyshaw, and he's done a great job with this tap town. I think he is an Evansville, Indiana native, and he um, worked quite a long time with the late great Bob Holtus, who I really revered. Absolutely. And, uh, Timmy uh, is really in, so involved in horse racing. His wife, Natalie, who you know as a photographer, yep. um, works for, uh, I believe, um, works for Reed Palmer at Churchill and, and other spots, I, I think. Yeah, I think she really might be down at Ellis, too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're just really immersed in it, and Timmy does a great job, and he's always real forthcoming. Uh, and, I, you know, I've watched some races with him, and he... <laughs> He's gotten mad about some rides and everything, and uh, yeah, he's just a cool guy, and, and uh, you know, he, he really has improved his stable over the last, what, six or eight years, uh, from being essentially a non-factor to somebody who's really, uh, you know, who's been quite the participant in, in races such as this. Yeah, well, I, I like to see somebody uh, come up like that, and uh, like you said, you know, um, 
uh, working under a guy like Bob Holthus, it's that's that's where horsemanship comes in. You know, it's just like uh, these guys that came out of the Van Berg camp. You know, Frankie uh, Catalano and uh, and Bill Mott. You know, I mean, uh, that's 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 where you really learned and you worked and and you learned about the horse. There were no shortcuts or anything like that. So I wished him nothing the best, and I was always a big Holthus fan uh, my, myself. Um, let's move on to. Uh, what will be one of the biggest races of the summer uh, at, at Saratoga. Uh, didn't draw the biggest field, but there sure is a whole lot of class in there. And this is going to be uh, the Whitney Invitational. It's a grade one, $750,000. Uh, I know where my heart will be, and that's with uh, Fort Larned, because I'm a big fan of, of Ian Wilkes and, and how he's, he's stuck with uh, Brian Hernandez uh, uh, through all, some of the ups and downs, but more ups than downs with Fort Larned, but let me tell you, you know, when you, you just happen to mention Bill Mott, he's got Ron the Greek, and, you know, let's not forget how, how much Alpha was respected uh, last year, though i got to scratch my head about the trip to Dubai. Uh, there's some real talent in there, including successful Dan and Mucho Macho Man. Uh, are you having as much problem separating this field as I am? Yeah, and especially with a horse like successful Dan being listed at 12 to 1 on the morning line, I mean, just... A couple of starts back, John, this horse was really on the verge of being one of the top handicap horses um, on the continent. And um, I just can't help but think that he might not rebound off what was obviously a disappointing defeat in the um, in the race that Fort Larned won, that being the, the Stephen Foster at Churchill Downs. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like Ian. I mean, he's just uh, – he talked about some of the stories I've written before Fort Larned ran in the um, – in the Jockey Club Gold Cup last year, I spent a long time with Ian, wrote a real long story about him, and uh, he and his wife Trace here, you know, they're just, they're they're the goods. So, um, yeah, the way he stuck with Brian, and that's that's the reason, by the way, that Brian, who's uh, normally the uh, regular rider for departing, won't be here tomorrow. they got Robbie Alvarado coming instead, and, and obviously it's because uh, Brian was there sticking with Fort Larned, but... Uh, the race that Fort Larned ran, I don't know if you were at Churchill that night, the, the, the race he ran, John. And the, no, I did see the race, uh, though. But it was just it was just phenomenal. I mean, he just blew doors on some really good horses, and uh, that just really returned him to prominence. You know, he'd been out of the discussion after those disappointing losses at, uh, at Gulfstream where he threw the jock, and then Oakland, uh, in the Oakland Handicap where he was just, he was just empty. And... Uh, to see him rebound and, and the sheer joy that Ian and Tracy and Carl Nasker and all of them uh, had last night it was really a, a feel-good kind of story. So it'd, it'd be great to see him repeat um, to Saturday in, in the Whitney. Although uh, as, a, as a gambler at seven to five on the morning line, you're not getting nearly the number you did last year. Right, right. You know, especially with the, with, with all the other competition that that you mentioned in there uh, and. Uh, this horse uh, cross traffic, another talented uh, Todd Pletcher, uh, and an unbridled song. I mean, the, the horse has run three 100 plus buyers in, in its brief career. You know, you got to scratch your head a little bit. This horse, so do you have the, the odds on that one? Yeah, he's five to two. I'm kind of surprised at that. I think it kind of skews the rest of it. You got uh, seven to five on Fort Garnet, five to two on cross traffic, and then a pair of six to ones in. Lucho Macho Man and Ron the Greek, and then it's on up to, to double digits for everybody else. So, 
um, I guess the buyer speed figures and, and the Johnny V and Fletcher kind of kind of factor into the uh, to the New York guy making the line on that. But uh, you know he's really going to have to prove himself, I think, against these kind of seasoned veterans like uh, Mucho Macho Man, Ron the Greek, and, and some of the others. Yeah, you know, awful uh, lightly uh, raced. Um, is a four-year-old with 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 only four starts, although it has shown brilliance. Uh, he's got an early uh, turn of foot. It'll be interesting to see if he can go with some of these more uh, seasoned veterans, uh, shall we say? But either way, uh, Whitney looks like it's going to shape up to be to be a really good race. I, I hope the, the weather uh, in this situation uh, stays well up at uh, Saratoga. It's been a pretty good meet thus far. Well. Um, that's a Breeders' Cup win in your in race, and, and so is the, the final race we're going to look at, and that is uh, all the way out at uh, beautiful uh, Del Mar, and it's uh, the Clement Hirsch. It's a grade one, 300,000, and uh, I was on the Daily Racing Forum today reading Steve Anderson's article, and uh, i tell you what, he's a big fan of your brother-in-law, Ron Ellis. Yeah, Ron is my brother-in-law. He's been married to my sister for uh, my sister Amy for almost 25 years, and uh, they were exceptionally pleased with her having won uh, her comeback at six furlongs, which obviously, John, is not her ideal distance, and uh, for her to have won that against some pretty nice sprinting fillies at, at Hollywood, uh, they were just elated. So this has been on their calendar, the Hirsch, for a long time. I remember being here at Mountaineer last uh, August when she won the Hirsch, and uh, so this is just like a really good starting point, so to speak, not counting the, the sprint, uh, to get her going toward the uh, the Breeders' Cup Philly uh Classic, which uh, last year, it looked like she was a winner. It looked like she was going to beat Royal Delta when they turned for home, but uh, she hit it up there, but uh, they're going to give it another go this year, and uh, she's 9-5 to five on the morning line, you tell me, and... Uh, I think that uh, she's definitely one to beat in uh, in this race. Well, I, I uh, found it. I was uh, looking at uh, the PPs and, of course, uh, reading uh, Steve Anderson's uh, article. And, uh, you know, your brother-in-law is saying that uh, he really, even though, you know, he's asking a bit, second start of the season, stretching out two turns, he's not crazy about the post, that he really likes the way she's been working in the mornings. And she just had the best of 49 on July 29th. So I, I think he's got her on her toes pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Ron is ultra conservative. I mean, just like Neil Drysdale kind of conservative. And it, and it almost, it kind of drives my sister crazy. And the rest of us, we always say, you know, like with Delmar, he's pointing everything to the next meet, whatever that might be, Santa Anita or whatever. And um, But once he has a plan, he's pretty good at carrying it out. And uh, this Philly had nothing wrong with her after she ran in the Breeders' Cup last year, and they've given her all the time she needed, and I think that uh, sprint victory was quite the indicator as uh, she might very well be the, the filly to, to beat in the uh, in the Breeders' Cup if she were going to win the Hirsch and then uh, whatever, the Lady Secret, I don't think they call it that anymore, but um, the next race that, that'll finally set her up for the, for the Ladies Classic. Well, again, you know, I wish you and your family the, the best of luck in there. Uh, it, it looks like uh, main competition. Um, horse that should probably run with her will be that uh, British bred by Rama, written by Gary Stevens. Also, just wanted to make note that uh, 
Chantel Sutherland Cruz is looking for her first return win in this race. Pick kind of a tough spot. Oh, I didn't even notice that she's using her married name. Yeah, I just Sutherland looked up. Cruz. Okay, what did she start doing that when she came back? She must have. It's the first time I've seen it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, uh, that, that's, uh, as you know, John, like keeping the stats for Equibase and the racing form, that gets a little confusing, you know, when you start doing all the totals and stuff. But, yeah, I, I really didn't think that that horse is great hot. I thought she might have some uh, distance limitations, but there were some in there. I definitely uh, fear that being number one, Lady of 50, number two, Byrama, as you mentioned, and then the sixth horse, um, for John Sadler, more chocolate, and, and Bayerado. I think they're, those, they're the horses to be. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the voice on the other end of the line is none other than Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. Thanks a lot uh, for your insight, and uh, I'm glad you're with your girlfriend. You don't have to go to that strip club down the street, Marty. <laughs> Good one. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, take care again, Marty McGree. Well, one of my favorite uh, writers uh, from from the Daily Racing Forum. I also want to thank uh, Dr. John Piewicz for taking time out of his busy schedule. And uh, don't forget, folks, you got to go up on the Winning Pony site and, and pull down these easy forms. I, again, uh, a fifty-four dollar ticket, pick five on Saturday, paid seven thousand one hundred and twenty-four bucks. They're really on a roll, especially with these uh, with the big meets that are coming up again. More consistency, more class, more quality. Uh, but the system at Winning Ponies is coming up with winners. Uh, we had a uh, a pick five and a pick four on Wednesday for one thousand one hundred fifteen and six hundred sixty-eight bucks. That's real money, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, between those forms and some of the guests we have, uh, like Marty McGee on the program here, we hope that we are giving you a slew of winners. So that's it for this week's Winning Ponies. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you go to the track with a loved one, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.